everyone to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. This is the podcast, of course, to help you as a Christian really learn how to advance God's kingdom, both through your life and your business. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, host and founder of the Kingdom Capitalist Mastermind. And with me today, another incredible, incredible guest who is CEO, partner of multiple real estate companies, uh, most notably uh, his company actually just closed on a $119 million uh, real estate portfolio in the middle of COVID. But most interestingly, I think about Josh, uh, well, about our guest, I mean, I don't want to spill the beans exactly who he is yet, is um, he was a triple major in college and not in what you would think a real estate CEO or investment firm CEO would be. And he actually triple majored in theology, apologetics, and missions. And so I can't think of a more qualified and more interesting person to really talk about this idea of kingdom capitalism, of really doing business as ministry. And so without further ado, let me introduce everyone to Joshua Ungarek. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to doing this with you. Yeah, man. So before we kind of get into your story, um, tell our audience, that was your bio, that was your intro, right? So but just real quick, like, um, you know, kind of 30,000 foot view, who are you, man? I would love to learn more about, you know, again, your family, but also kind of what you're doing in business as well. Tell us, tell us who you are. Yeah, so um, I think most importantly, um, I'm very blessed uh, to be married to Catherine, and I have uh, four kids actually right now, three of whom are um, my uh, seven-year-old son, and I've got a five-year-old twin, boy and girl, and then we've got a little girl, uh, Sophia, who is actually in India right now that we have uh, been matched with and we've been uh, we've gotten the court order that she's legally uh, our child but uh, as a result of COVID we have wow. not been able to um, get the approval from India to go get her um, so um, we're really looking forward to bringing her home um, but uh, from a from a business perspective uh, I never thought in a million years that I would be in business. Um, in fact, in uh, high school and uh, college, I thought corporate America was evil. Hmm. Um, that, you know, at best, maybe it would be a means to an end to support missions, but that, you know, the only worthy calling was foreign missions. And uh, uh, now here I am. Uh, <laughs> <you> <laughs> we're going to get uh, into that, man. Don't worry. We're going to, yeah. we're going to take a deep dive yeah. on that topic. I can't wait to hear that. Um, yeah. So your company, yeah, so, uh, name name your company just so our audience has an idea of where they are, what they are. Yeah, so the, yeah there's, a, there's a number of different companies um, that are all centered around uh, and, and vertically integrated around commercial real estate. So uh, one of the companies is JRW Investments, and that, that firm actually is a wealth manager. It, it serves clients who are looking to protect and grow their wealth uh, primarily through commercial real estate. Uh, we have a real estate brokerage, uh, JRW Realty, um, and both of those are really client-facing firms. Uh, we own a broker-dealer, Lighthouse Capital, that, that allows us legally to operate and provide um, real estate brokerage services um, to our clients. Uh, we then, uh, about uh, in 2012 and 2014, we launched a couple of companies called Exchange Right Real Estate and Telos Capital. Uh, those companies actually provide uh, a lot of these real estate investments, and they provide the management, the asset management for those real estate investments on behalf of investors. And those were originally launched for the sake of our clients through JRW. But over time, uh, there was a tremendous amount of uh, third-party market demand. There were a lot of other advisors and representatives in the industry that wanted to access uh, what we were providing for our clients. Sure. So that's yeah, sure. all, those are all the various companies. Uh, and Joshua, how, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Don't mind at all. I'm, I'm 35. 35. Love it, man. Four kids, a couple companies. Uh, I love it, dude. I'm so excited to to be able to get into this. Well, um, I'm ready to jump in, but I, I know as soon as I ask this first question, we're probably just going to roll. So let me just stop and pray for us and ask God to bless our time, and um, and then we'll we'll go we'll go 
God, we again come before you and we're just grateful to be here, grateful for Joshua, grateful for the vision and the mission that you've given him to serve you through business. And I pray, uh, God, that your kingdom would come and your will be done through our lives and through our companies and that our, that Joshua's testimony today and what he's doing and what you're allowing him to do would be an encouragement to all who are listening. God, help us. Give us faith. Give us strength. Give us encouragement to live for you more fully today. We ask all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. So here's what I want to know, man. First question. How does an apologetics missions theology major get in, go into business? Like what <laughs> you, you were destined for the mission field. At least that's what you thought you were going to do. I mean, when you yeah. start something like that, right? So how do you end up here, man? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, a long story, but to make it a little short. Well, we got, we got uh, at least 40, 45 minutes, man. So we can, we okay. can get into it. Okay. So uh, I, um, in, in my undergrad, right before I graduated, uh, and I was, I was going to Papua New Guinea, like that was, I was set on that. I was going to go with either ABWE or New Tribes. I sort of had plotted out my whole life. Um, in high school, you know, I had, um, shortly after getting saved, uh, I had listened to a whole lot of John Piper uh, sermons, and I was like, okay, the, the, you know, and not that he was preaching this, but what I was hearing was, okay, missions is like, that's to, to go do missions is exactly what I need to do. And a lot of that was really driven um, ultimately out of um, a false theology of needing to earn God's love. Mm. So intellectually, I knew that you can't earn God's love. I knew that, you know, salvation comes through Christ alone, by faith alone. But practically, uh, I, I had this sense of uh, God that he was displeased with me and that I needed to go do something for him to, to earn his love and, and his pleasure. And, and so um, by God's grace, um, I had a, a number of professors who loved me uh, at the uh, undergrad that I was attending that came to me and said, hey, um, Josh, you're not going to missions for the right reasons. Um, you, you're, you ultimately need to consider the way God has created you. He's created you for other things. You need to, and at that time they said, you need to consider going to Talbot. I was going to the master's university at the time. And uh, they, they took me out to lunch, did this intervention and said, you know, there's other ways that you can serve God that might be more compatible with the way he's created you. And I just remember walking away from that lunch thinking, uh, they just don't get missions. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, they, they just don't understand. And, um, and so they encouraged me strongly to go consider doing a philosophy of religion and ethics uh, master's um, degree uh, through Talbot. So I walked away from that, not really hearing them. And within a month, um, one of the pastors at the church I was going to during my college days, he took me aside and he said, hey, uh, I really don't think you should be heading to the mission field, at least not right now. He said, first of all, biblically, you're not supposed to call yourself to missions. You're supposed to be in the context of a church body, and they are supposed to recognize the call in your life and, and send you. And, um, and he said the other issue is you'd be a liability hmm. to any people group that you would go serve right now. That until you rest in Christ, until you ultimately are resting in his grace, um, you know, right now, you'd just be doing this in your own strength, and that would not be good for anybody. And that was a one-two punch between the professors and this pastor. And, um, and so I finally, in my stubbornness, I realized, okay, I need to rethink what I'm doing. So I figured in also in my foolishness, I was like, all right, I'll get mature. I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, submit myself to these, um, leaders. Um, and, uh, I'll go to Talbot. And in a year and a half, I'll be done with that. And then I'll be mature and ready for them to send me <laughs> to the mission field. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so I went, I went to Talbot and uh, continued to go to this church and, and 
long story short, to get married. And I started to notice that all of my other friends who were graduating with a uh, master's in philosophy, um, they were having trouble, you know, feeding themselves, let alone their families. And so the joke at that time was, um, you know, what's the difference between a large pizza and a philosophy degree? Large pizza will feed a family of four. <laughs> so, uh, uh, we, uh, as I was getting closer to getting married, I was like, I need to, I need to get it. Like, I, I need to get a job. I need to get some way of supporting myself. And it's not clear that I'm going to be able to do that through philosophy or through theology, et cetera. So um, I, I remember uh, being in a computer lab uh, with a good friend and we were talking about investments because uh, I had really in my mind, I was going to fund myself through missions. I wasn't going to rely on other people. Uh, again, just stubborn foolishness. And, um, and so uh, I had it in my head, okay, I'll get a job. I'll make money to support my wife. We'll put away savings and then we'll go to missions. Um, and so I was telling him my plan and this, uh, his other friend was in this computer lab and said, Hey, my, that's what my dad does. Uh, you know, he, he's in, uh, real estate and wealth management. And she said, joking, like, would you like me to get you a job there? You know? <laughs> and, and I was like, yeah, actually that would be great. <laughs> uh, you know, and so I did an unpaid internship at this company I'd never heard of called JRW Investments. And, um, and, and so after about a uh, month there, What year was that, Joshua? What year was that? Just, I'm trying to keep up with timeline. Yeah, that was, that was 2006. Wow. Okay. Um, so, uh, I start this unpaid internship and two weeks after starting the, uh, due diligence officer, the, the guy in charge of, uh, analysis for JRW, he put in his two weeks. And, uh, and so, uh, I remember the CFO coming to me and saying, Josh, I'm sorry, like, we'll, we'll find somebody else to replace them so that you can continue your internship. And, uh, by that time, it was about two to three weeks into it. I was like, I'm loving this. Like I, like I'm really enjoying going through these thick legal documents and finding all the places that the attorneys hid, you know, the reality and the risks of this investment, really unpacking that. So uh, I ended up uh, telling uh, the CFO at the time, like, I actually, I, I enjoy this. And by the time this guy's two weeks were passed and he had left, I said, hey, instead of hiring someone else, would you let me do this? You know, and, and so um, I'd been there about a month and I'd been working 80 to 90 hours a week because I had nothing better to do. <laughs> so um, I, I was just soaking it up and loving this and realizing, like having my eyes open for the first time, like I, I think I was created to do this. Like I, I was really enjoying it. So uh, long story short, um, just continue. They, they ended up saying, yes, you can, we'll give you a shot at doing this. And um, then I asked, well, can you pay me? <laughs> you know, so uh, they started you know, giving me a, a wage. And so uh, fast forward, you know, a number of months, I was soaking it up, loving it, doing due diligence uh, for commercial real estate firm. And it just happened to be the third largest commercial real estate securities firm uh, in the country at that time. And I, I didn't know that. And, um, and so I got to know uh, the main owner really well, um, really learned a tremendous amount from him. And, and just at the time, because I, I was not yet married, I had a ton of time to invest. So I was working typically 80 to 90 hours a week. Anything I didn't know, I would try to write down and try to learn by the next day and then rinse and repeat. And, um, and so I uh, ended up getting married. Uh, this was uh, back, you know, 2000. So I got married in 2007. And the industry was really hitting its peak, um, I would say, you know, around 2007. And so, you know, I'm lo looking around at this industry that's, you know, doing a really, uh, I mean, just doing tremendous amounts of business. And I was thinking, this is great. Wow, this is a lot of fun. You know, we were being wined and dined by all these other companies that were trying to get our business. Uh, and I was the due diligence officer, so they all had to go through me. 
And so I was nice. That's like, a good place is, to be. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then 2008 hits and the great recession comes and it just, uh, devastated our industry. I mean, I, I yeah. want to say it's about a 90% drop, wow. um, in, in terms of the active participants in our industry, the, the advisors, the reps, the broker dealers, the sponsors uh, that were actually syndicating the securitized real estate, uh, there's about a 90% drop from 2008 through 2010 um, in, in terms of uh, the people who got wiped out and ended up having to leave the industry. And JRW was one of the few that actually survived. And it was really because of the fact that we diversified uh, our clients, and then we had this huge emphasis on due diligence. It really became the cornerstone of our operations. And uh, the main owner uh, and partner of JRW had gone off to do another project. Um, and because of the magnitude of the, the drop in the market and the drop in business, there, there came an opportunity for me to step in as uh, CEO. And it was really uh, what had happened is I had started putting in uh, our own savings into the company. And then I had taken out a bunch of credit card debt. And this is not advice, by the way, this is a stupid, foolish thing for me to do. Um, but I had put in a ton of money to try to keep the company going. And eventually, uh, my wife came to me and said, Hey, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are you, why, why are you doing this? And, uh, and it was just a sense of ownership that I took in anything that I did. Um, and so I came to the partners at that time and I wasn't a partner and I just said, Hey, I put in all this money. I know that y'all can't pay me back. Would you allow me to become CEO and become an equal partner? And um, I really, to this day, I think, you know, they just thought, well, you know, this is, this thing's going down anyway. <laughs> uh, it's the least we could do. This is so crazy. This is unbelievable. I got so many questions, man. You like, wow. This is why I asked you when you started, cause I knew where this was going. Cause I know your bio. So a couple questions Two, really, first off, you started this unpaid internship because you needed, you needed to pay for your, you know, your, you were about to get married. You had no money. My first question is, you started there, you know, and you really haven't looked back. So what were the, like, what was the, was there a turning point for you, man, with God or in your faith that helped you realize, like, I'm in the right place. Like, this is what God's called me to do. Yeah. What was that turning point for you? Was it in between 2006 and 2009? No, no, it was really in between 2006 and last August. Hmm. Uh, it's been a long process of God um, in his grace breaking down uh, not only the secular sacred divide that I had, which is a false divide, um, but really helping me to realize um, that I can rest in his love and in his grace. And my performance has no impact on his grace um, and on his work. And, and so um, ultimately that has been a 22 year process that God has taken me through since I got saved uh, and August, last August was really a breakthrough. Um, and, you know, we can, we can come back to that. But the, the process um, was a long one um, because of my stubbornness. And, uh, you know, for a long period of time while I was in JRW, so from 2006 uh, all the way, I'd say, till 2000 and goodness, probably 2013, 2014. And even till 2016, I had a sense of uh, business is a means to an end. And this is something that I ultimately, uh, I'm going to create money to fund missions, right? Like that was my original plan is I'm getting a job so I can support my wife and so that we can go to the mission field. And then it morphed from that in about, I'd say from 2009 to 2012 it morphed from that to like wow I think I might have been created to do business but I still thought of business as a means to an end um, only uh, and that business in and of itself could not glorify God but what you did with the profits 
could glorify God. Um, and so uh, that that was really um, from 2009 to 2012. I was in a position where we were doing we were starting to do really well, um, particularly by the time we got to 2012. But because I saw everything as a means to an end, I was a terrible person to work for. Um, I was this driving perfectionist, impatient. Um, the joke used to be, all I demand is perfection immediately. No big deal, you know, like, and, and so um, I was actually, for a long period of time, ashamed to reveal that I was a Christian because I was such an, an ass uh, to work mm. for. Um, and, uh, and ultimately um, had uh, my COO, at the time come to me and um, this was, and I, I'm going to get to some of the dates wrong, but I think this was around 2000, somewhere between 2012 and 13. Uh, my COO came to me and just said, uh, I, I can't do this anymore. You're, you're terrible to work for. I'll give you six months to help you with the transition, but I'm basically done. And I remember uh, begging her, Hey, would you, uh, would you please, I'll go get counseling. I'll figure this out. Um, but would you give me another chance? Um, and she said, I, you know, no promises, but you know, let's see if anything changes. And so I did get counseling. Um, and I went from driving perfectionist to neutral. So, uh, it helped. It, there, it made a difference, but it, it, it wasn't really the full transformation that God was going to bring about over the next few years. Um, and then um, I want to say it was uh, 2014 or 15, and, I, and I, forgive me for not knowing the dates exactly, but um, the next big transformation was God uh, uh, introduced me to a company called um, Beaten Bow out of Lubbock. And um, I had, uh, for a long period of time, again, taking that whole secular sacred divide, I'd gone through a period where now I was neutral, I was nicer. But um, ultimately, I still saw business as a means to an end. And so I was taking the profits that God was creating in the, the business, and I was uh, giving it away. And that was, I was like, okay, that's my calling. That's what I'm supposed to do is create profits, give it away. And that makes it, that sanctifies what I'm doing. And, um, and so uh, God in his grace uh, took us through a period where the profitability got stripped away and we were just breaking even. And all of a sudden I go, Oh my goodness, I was supposed to be on the mission field. I was supposed to be supporting missions. I hate corporate America. Like that's evil, you know, and here I am, I'm in corporate America, and I'm not funding missions because he took away the profitability. And I just had this identity crisis of like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, I, I'm in the wrong spot. Yeah. And um, I had one of the uh, charities that we had been supporting, their CEO said, hey, I want to take you out to Beaten Bow, to Lubbock. I'm taking out some other business leaders. I'd love to take you out there. I was like, hey, Kevin, I don't, I don't have, you know, any... I can't, I don't think I'll be able to support you this year the way I've been able to in the past. And he's like, that's not why I'm calling you. I'm calling you to come, you know, to this thing. And I want you to come. I think you'll really be blessed by it. So we go to this business. Uh, they're a home builder out of Lubbock that have, they've been tremendously successful. Um, I really encourage you to uh, talk with their leadership as well. Cause I think they have embodied um, what it means to do business to the glory of God. And honestly, a lot of what I have been doing over the last few years with my partners has been learning from them and mm. just applying it in our context. And so uh, we went and sat, uh, or I went and sat with their leadership, and it was like drinking out of a fire hose of God's grace and just opening my eyes. And one of the first questions they asked early on was, um, how, is, uh, how is God um, how are you stewarding your people and how is God showing his love to your people through you? And I had to admit, it wasn't a rhetorical question. It was a painful one. I was like, I don't, I, I don't think the, I don't think that the people that are at my company are really encountering God's love through me at all. 
um, you know, at best I'm providing, you know, like a, a job and a paycheck, but I'm not showing them God's love. And they said, look, profits are a derivative of what you're doing, but they're not the primary stewardship. The people mm. that are employed by you are your primary stewardship. Mm. And that's a stewardship that God's given you. And you have the opportunity to love them and shepherd them. You have the opportunity to show them the love of Christ. And frankly, business is one of the few opportunities that these people have to hear about Christ because they don't have to show up to church. They don't have to go to a, some ministry or charity that's Christ-centered, but they do have to show up to work five days a week. So how are you taking that opportunity and how are you loving them and how are you showing them Christ? And that just, that wrecked me. Um, I was convicted. Like I, I was not being a good steward and that God ultimately, he's the one who's responsible for the prophets. And um, one of the other big lessons uh, God showed me at that time is like, if I don't give you profits, uh, if I don't give you the money, then I'm not expecting you to steward it. You know, that's, that's ultimately his uh, responsibility. And so, uh, but he's like, I have given you these people. <laughs> I've, what are you doing with these employees? And so I went home from that and I started praying for God to break my heart. That was one of the things they encouraged me to do is just pray for God to break your heart for your, for your people. And so I started praying that and God answered that prayer. And um, we ended up, I, I flew my partners out uh, and I flew our executive uh, leadership team out um, within, I think, a couple months of the first meeting. They Beat and Bo hosted us again and we just sat at the feet of all their leaders and they were just uh, pouring out all this truth on us. And we went home from that. Were your partners and executives all, Christians as well? Yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah. So I have uh, uh, two other partners in each of the companies uh, and in a couple of the companies, it's just one other partner and they are, um, they're both believers and mm -hmm. as, which is just, it's, it's been the coolest and most encouraging thing for me to yeah. get to um, partner with believers where we can come before the Lord you know, especially during COVID and other things and just be on our knees, recognizing we desperately need him and we need his provision. It's not about what we can do. Um, and so uh, we came home from Beaten Bow and we transformed everything that we were doing. Like we, uh, we increased everybody's pay. Uh, we uh, quadrupled what healthcare benefits we were giving away. We opened up 401k and pension plans so that we could start to bless people um, uh, towards uh, their ability long-term to take care of their families and have savings. Um, we started doing leadership uh, development, leadership training. We started building out discipleship um, all throughout the organization. And again, this wasn't us. This was God's grace, and it was taking from um, just the generosity of, of Beatenbow and learning their lessons over the past two or three decades and getting to apply them in real time to our situation. And that, that has, uh, I think that was 2016. And that was just, that was really the first time that we started to really do right. business as a kingdom venture. Wow. Um, and, and then what was really amazing is God then unleashed profitability after that. We increased our costs because we were starting to really take care of our people at a time when it made no sense. Logically, from a business perspective, you would not increase, you know, if you're not super profitable, that's not the time to increase payroll costs. And, and that's exactly what we did out of faith. And, and God just poured on, he's like, you know, showing that he, that we can never be more generous than he is. So that's, mm. that's a long, long, long and short of it. <laughs> so. That's amazing, man. I, Wow. Um, I only asked you one question there, Joshua, but I, you've, uh, you've delivered, man. <laughs> uh, that's really encouraging. Um, I just want to take a, a second for that to really sit in for our listeners. A lot of the things you said there, I mean, especially out of the end, you gave, you gave out of faith, even when it didn't make sense. I think we've heard that a lot on this show, that building a kingdom business especially in the beginning that, you know, 
transforming your, your business into a kingdom business sometimes always doesn't make sense from a secular standpoint, but it's really trusting God. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely right. That people is your greatest calling and not profit. That's massive, man. That's so good. That's why we exist. Um, well, let me ask you a little bit lighter question here then, uh, while that still sinks in, how the heck did you have the kahunas to go and ask for the CEO position after three years of being in the company? Are we serious? You don't even, you're, you, you were a philosophy major, man. Like how do you even, of you know, what was, I guess, I don't know if it still was at the time, the third largest, you know, security exchange company or real estate company at the time. I mean, How'd that happen, man? Yeah, I mean, it, it was just, uh, it, it was really born out of foolishness, right? I had, I had, I think I had taken out by that time $80,000 in credit cards just to keep things going. Wow. I mean, it was nuts. I mean, it's just, I mean, honestly, looking back, it was God's grace, <laughs> uh, despite my foolishness, that um, everything came about the way it did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but ultimately, uh, I think it was just a position of my wife coming to me in wisdom and, you know, graciously saying, what are we doing? You know, you, we've uh, put in our savings, we put in all this uh, debt, and now, you know, you're not even a partner. And, um, and she, again, she, she did this graciously. She wasn't, you know, making me feel stupid. She should have, you know, like I, I was, uh, it was not, uh, was not wise, uh, what I did. And so honestly, I think it was just, um, a reaction to like the situation that here we are, uh, I have stepped up, uh, into what at the time was a, um, there was a, a need. I'd been stepping up and helping to lead the company at that time without any title, without any, um, uh, ownership. And I had built up a good reputation within the company in a short period of time. In those three years, um, I had become, you know, president of a, a division of the company over all the, the research that had become a product, you know, so there were things where I built right. up uh, favor with the partners. Um, but also, I, I do think uh, I'm not far off in saying, I, I think in, they had integrity. And they did realize at the time they could not pay me back for what I had put in, um, that the company was in that bad of a position. Um, they had maxed out their line of credit. I mean, it was not, it was not a good situation. And so I think it was a big part of their integrity to try to do something to offset the reality that they could not pay it back. Um, and so uh, I give them a lot of credit for just being willing to take a shot, take a right. chance on me. Um, and I think things were just so bad that it's like, what could it hurt? You know, like, yeah. you know, let's try. And, and that happened, you know, in October of 2009. Uh, and so uh, I look back and it's a lot better. Uh, I think, you know, it's a lot better to be blessed um, than it is to be smart. Uh, or as the secular phrase is a lot better to be lucky than to be smart. Um, but the reality is the timing of when I took over was perfect mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with my planning that out. That was just how God had it happen. Um, because that was really the low point, you know, the fourth quarter of 2009, first quarter of 2010, that was about as bad as it was going to get. And everything from that point forward was uh, going to uh, provide a bit more growth potential. And that's exactly what I ended up experiencing. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. Um, Let me ask you another personal question, if you don't mind, since we've, uh, yeah, yeah, this has been awesome, man. And I, uh, I want to ask this one too. I read in an article that either you wrote or master's college put out on your behalf. And you said something to the extent that, you know, part of our, our role as as Christians or as kingdom capitalists is really doing excellent work. And you, you were talking about your clients who you serve, the investors that you serve. And, um, and, and it was interesting how you said, you know, part of what you're doing is helping people think about building and growing wealth. Most of these people are not believers, or even if they are, they're putting their identity and their trust in their wealth. Yeah. You know, that's our business too. We have a syndication company. We're helping people build and protect their wealth and multiply their wealth through 
through real yeah. estate. And we talk a lot about this concept of financial freedom. And it's interesting to me, man, that the way I feel most people talk about financial freedom, and it actually leads them away from trusting God and not towards trusting God, right? In, in almost every aspect. And yeah. so I want to ask you, man, how, how do you, and I wrote this question down to make sure I didn't screw it up. Like, how do you, and I'm just going to ask it really brutally honest and I'll let you mess around with it, but how do you serve God by making people rich? Right. I mean, that's, that's the basic of my yeah. question. What does that really look like? Yeah. So I, I think from a, a perspective of uh, the people that we serve, you know, we don't ultimately, um, we don't ultimately control what their worldview is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, we are very open about who we are, what we do, why we do it, uh, what the passion is that, that drives us. And so, uh, in many cases, the, a lot of the people that we serve, the, um, the most important thing to them, uh, may be their wealth, um, as opposed to, for a believer, the most important thing to them is um, they're, they're, they're actually being a child of God, knowing Christ. And, um, and so from our perspective, it's really, it's really that idea of abolishing the idea of the secular sacred divide and saying, okay, we can be excellent at managing wealth. We can do a phenomenal job at, at managing wealth. And insofar as we are able to do that by God's grace, um, we are then able to employ people, love them, take care of them, um, steward them well. Um, we are able to invite our clients. Our, our passion statement is that we uh, are, we, our passion is to empower people to be secure, free, and generous. And, and so uh, the idea there is for the clients that we serve, for the investors that we serve, uh, we want them to have financial security. We want them to be able to take care of their needs. And in most cases, quite frankly, we're not making people rich. Uh, we're uh, typically serving people who have built up wealth over the last several decades of their life. And now we're trying to help them navigate um, the latter years where they're not really, they don't have the same earning potential. So we're trying to help them provide for their healthcare needs, their food needs, if they're trying to provide for, you know, their kids' education or what have you. Um, so it's how do we, how do we ultimately help them be secure, free, and then we want them to be uh, also generous. Mm -hmm. And then we think about that in the context of our, our people, the people who serve alongside us, our employees, we think about how do we help them be secure, free, and generous? Um, how do we uh, reward them for their efforts going beyond giving them financial security to, to giving them the ability to be generous? Um, and then we turn that into how do we do that with our community? Um, and so we think about uh, all the profits that um, God has blessed us with. Um, we first and foremost, we take care of our families. God's given us the provision so that we can take care of our families, but then all the excess um, you know, my wife and I don't believe in retirement, which is really ironic to be in a wealth management industry that is often serving people who are in retirement. But from our perspective, uh, we think of uh, all the excess profits as that's a stewardship that God's given us. And so our philosophy is let's empty out our bank accounts every year um, other than having a um, prudent savings for a rainy day. The idea is how can we give those profits to all these charities and ministries um, that are meeting some of the deepest needs of a hurting world? And so that is, again, that's the same concept of secure, free, and generous. It's how do we empower those ministries and charities to come alongside those people who are among the most vulnerable? And how do we help those people become secure, free, and generous where they can turn around and be so blessed and taken care of that they can then become a vehicle to turn around and bless and take care of others. And then we bring that full circle back to our clients and we start to, you know, we've been inviting them into that, even though a lot of them don't know Christ, we're saying, Hey, here's, here's what we do with our wealth. Here's what we're doing with the earnings that we're able to achieve. And we're showing them here are the ministries and the charities that we're supporting 
and we're inviting them into uh, that that same reality so that they can start to experience what it is to be generous um, and in the context specifically of, of knowing Christ. So, because uh, that's really ultimately what motivates us. Can, uh, so much there, man. This is so good. Um, can you go back? And that was funny you say this because my next question was just what are some personal financial decisions that you've made that might be able to help and serve our community? Can you explain that a little bit more about what you mean of emptying out your bank account each year and just how you, first thing that's going to come to people's mind that comes to my mind is, well, how do I, how do I be prudent? How do I take care of my family? Right? Like what, how'd you get there and what does that really look like? That was a, that was a really long uh, process that I'd say between 2006 to 2009, as I started to actually make money, uh, I started to struggle with, well, how much am I supposed to keep? How much am I supposed to put away for retirement? How much am I supposed to give away? Um, and I just didn't have a theology and understanding and a framework for um, that. And, I, and so I started uh, reading through scripture and the light bulb went off uh, as I was going through scriptures, like there is no such thing as retirement. <laughs> you know, like go, you're not going to find it. Uh, in scripture, you're not going to find that concept. And once that light bulb went off, um, there was such a sense of freedom because now, um, you know, now going back to your question about being prudent, yeah, you should have insurance in place, especially if you have kids, if you have, um, you know, a spouse you're taking care of, like you should be prudent and have insurance. So you can have insurance set aside so that those those um, people who are dependent on you are taken care of should you pass away or become inca- incapacitated. Uh, you know, you should have savings for a rainy day. Uh, there's a decent chance, um, and I hope I'm wrong about this, but there's a decent chance we're going into a very deep recession um, as a result of COVID. You should have, if you can, you should have set aside uh, rainy day funds, and you should prepare. There's times we go through, you know, that are called winter. Um, you, it's not always harvest. And so you've got to set aside savings for that. But what you don't have to do is set aside 20, 30, 40 years of capital so that you can be unproductive for the latter half of your year, your, mm-hmm. your life. And I think a lot of people, a lot of their resources unconsciously, because we all are kind of brought up to think about how do you save for retirement? I think you start to build up assets uh, for quote unquote retirement. And a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, you know, that could be 55 or 60 until I die, which is, you know, maybe another 20, 30 years. So um, speaking for myself personally, once that concept of retirement was no longer a thing, it freed up all this capital because once I set aside my savings, that meant everything else that came in after I took care of my family's needs for that year, after the savings for a rainy day. So call that six months to 12 months of expenses without income that you set aside so that if you go through something really bad, or if you think we're heading into a depression, maybe that turns into one or two years of savings, you know, but after that, then the rest of the money, what are you going to do with it? Well, from our viewpoint, uh, wanting to be a good steward, we just said, look, let's, let's give it away. We don't know when Christ is coming back. If I'm not ever going to stop working, uh, if I can be increasingly productive uh, as I get older, um, then I'm in a position where uh, I can continue to uh, generate profits into the future if there's no such thing as retirement. And, um, and then we can give everything away that we don't need uh, for day-to-day life and for those rainy day savings. So once you get those buckets filled, then the rest is, uh, free to be given. And so then it's just finding the right charities and ministries that are also being good stewards that are effective at meeting the deepest needs of a hurting world in the name of Christ. Mm. Um, those that, that then becomes the vehicle through which most of our earnings, um, gets, uh, sent every, every year. Yeah. Wow. We, you know, gosh, this is, we could stay on this topic all day. Let me ask a follow-up question to that. And then we're going to close up here. So 
I love that, man. You know, and again, I'm thinking through the, the years, the years and hearts of my audience, right. As they're thinking this, cause I know there's such a, what I've learned in leading kingdom capitals and our mastermind, there is a desire to live this way, man. Like we, we know we're called to be radically generous and yet there's this desire to still live radically comfortable. Right. So it's like, we know we want to yeah. live radically generous, but yet we, our hearts and our flesh want to be radically comfortable. So I guess my thought though, to hear, you know, you say I'm going to become increasingly productive. My only pushback or maybe follow-up question is, well, what if, you know, you, you, you can't continue to work at the capacity you're doing at 35 years old, right? And with the energy that you have at 35. I'm just saying like, what if you don't become increasingly productive? That There's a decline in that productivity. Well, yeah. And, and, and to be fair, it also depends on what vocation, right? Like I, um, because I'm in wealth management, um, I become increasingly uh, more effective with more experience. And it's the idea of compounding trust and compounding excellence. So, um, you know, we have uh, over 3,000 investors who have entrusted their wealth to us to some degree. We um, are in a position where uh, we have been able to do really well in the midst of this COVID crisis because we've, we've been uh, protected by the Lord and we've been really well prepared. Um, that reputation then compounds. So we've gone through this crisis. We'll have that many more people who will then entrust their wealth to us, most likely coming out of it. So it's not that I will have the same energy level, you know, 20, 40, 50 years from now. It's more that I will, if, if I continue to um, ultimately walk in wisdom and walk by faith and, and trust the Lord, because this is ultimately his business. Um, I have the potential to continue to earn capital and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be more than what I earned when I was 35. That's not really the point. The point is I just don't have to have 20, 30, 40 years of savings set aside. Right. And, and that sets free all this other capital to be mm. used today for the needs that exist today. Mm. That's really more my point. Now, if somebody, anybody who is using their mind uh, primarily at, for the vehicle for their vocation I mean, the unique thing that a believer has is we have the Holy Spirit. Um, we get to serve Jesus. Um, you know, he's our boss, no matter what vocation you have. Um, and we get to do everything unto him for his glory. And so we have these crazy, unique competitive advantages in a world that honestly generally settles for mediocrity. Um, and, and what I've found for a lot of believers is if they have this sense of like, I'm serving the Lord and I'm going to do it by his strength um, and not by my strength. And I'm going to do it by faith and not by, you know, my own ingenuity um, that uh, the Lord, uh, you know, really blesses that. And frankly, in a capitalist society, for the most part, um, nine times out of 10, you're able to do fairly well. Now, for someone who's primarily uh, working with their hands. Um, it, it, it's the strength of their back that is the uh, is going to create their uh, paycheck. Um, there may be stewardship things they can do in terms of how they save that capital and how they create other income over time to replace that. But to be fair, you know, if you're able to use your mind primarily to drive your earning potential, um, you have no limit in terms of you know getting older. You get wiser. Uh, hopefully you get more trust over time with people. Um, so I, I will say to be fair, if somebody is primarily earning uh, what, what they are uh, earning through the sweat of their brow, uh, through physical labor, there is obviously an end to that. And you're going to need to have an income source once you no longer can physically continue to provide, if that makes sense. hundred percent. And, and that's, uh, and that, I mean, that's the idea of what is really financial freedom. We have been taught, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the show is that financial freedom is not this massive nest egg. That's one day sort of a retirement because not even that is promised. And so it's rethinking again, what is even financial freedom uh, for, you know, for, for that group of our audience, Joshua, I mean, this has been so awesome. Like this is, I, I knew this has had the potential to be a powerful episode. Um, 
I'm so grateful for you, man. So grateful for the work that you're doing in your faith and just your boldness to share and to live openly. I'm grateful for what God has been. It seems like he's just kind of been dragging you through it, man, to really get you to a place where you can really listen and obey. And I'm so grateful for your obedience, brother, and, and just teaching us and encouraging us. So uh, seriously, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thank you for having me and, and praise to God. He's been so gracious. He's been so good. Where can our audience go to learn more about you or what you and your businesses are doing? Um, that way we can learn more about um, how to get involved. Yeah, so, I mean, honestly, I would, uh, I would say that uh, Beat and Bow companies, uh, we, everything we're doing well is borrowed from them. <laughs> uh, we, we have, they've been generous to, you know, so just open up how they do things. So I would really encourage people to go look up Beat and Bow. Um, in terms of our, um, said B-E-T-E-N-B-O-U-G-H, uh, and then they have, I think it's called Kingdom Ventures or something like that. I believe it's Kingdom Ventures, but they've now started to really um, do a good job of uh, packaging up what they have learned and making it a lot more accessible to other business leaders. Um, so I, I just can't recommend them enough. Um, and then, you know, in terms of our businesses, you know, exchangerite.com, uh, just like it sounds, exchangerite dot com is uh, uh, one of the main companies uh, and then jrw.com uh, is the the wealth management firm um, so you can learn more you can see you know uh, our philosophy of wealth management our distinctives of how we operate um, our passion statement etc all, all that's built into those websites primarily yeah Absolutely. I'll make sure to put those links in the show notes so people know exactly where to go. Uh, so grateful for you, man. This is so awesome. I'm excited for our friendship to continue after this. I'm glad this gave us the opportunity to meet. Um, so again, man, thank you. Everyone else, thank you for being here. Listen, if you have loved and enjoyed and are inspired and challenged as much as I am about this show, take a screenshot, share this bad boy on LinkedIn, and then go leave us a five-star review because that goes a huge huge way in really sharing this message seriously we don't take that for granted so please take a minute to do both of those things sharing this episode and leaving us a review we'll see you next week cheers hey i hope you enjoyed this show today if you want to learn more about our community you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co there you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows and last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.